Welcome back. It has been almost two years to the day that I've gotten together with these two guys here. Tom, Babs, welcome to the podcast. The last time we met, we discussed Anthony Joshua. <laughs> and if this is not ringing a bell to you guys, I'll, I'll set the stage. Two years ago, Anthony Joshua, June 2nd in Madison Square Garden, facing off against Andy Ruiz Jr. Remember what happened? Does this ring a bell? Oh yeah, he got upset in one of the biggest upsets in like 30 years. He was knocked out by Andy Ruiz. And Babs, you'd made the trip from the UK to go see your hero, Anthony Joshua, fight in Madison Square Garden, supporting Matchroom USA or whatever the fuck was the promoter. And uh, your boy got smoked. He got cooked. Why, all why, I remember. Why, why, why are you going to lie to the public? Like I'm that? not lying. What, you, public. what happened? Why gonna, tell the actual story. What's the tell, actual story? Tell, the actual story is that you came story. to the U.S.? Came to the U.S. How many months before Joshua Ruiz was I in the U.S. for? <laughs> a good. I was there since I was there for what you six, were seven there months for like a cup of coffee. Come on, man. I was there. Yeah, you had you had moved there. It's good. Good to be on. By the way, good talking to you, Babs. Good to catch up here. Yeah, Tom. it's been a while. Tom, uh, shout you could back you me guys. up here. I was there for a good what six, seven months. I covered several events in including Josh Ruiz, um, and I think mm -hmm. Tom can vouch for me. Um, that, no. June, that June 1st experience was a very pleasurable one. Uh, we had a lot of fun, and it was quite hilarious. Um, <laughs> watching British fellow British tears as um, their hero got decimated in six rounds. By, yeah, uh, literally. The guy literally spends watching, a couple of months uh, in the U.S. and then all of a sudden it's their hero. He was never my hero. We spent many. <laughs> this guy's out of control. Uh, you guys, you guys many, hear this right? Many, many a podcast laughing at Andy Joshua. Even I think I even as a as a fighter, I probably even overrated him. There, it was it was Angelo who tried to get me to see the light. He was like, "Yeah, Fury's footwork is too much for him." And Wilder put his fist right. And it took me a while to see that, and I was like, mm -mm. "I think he, I think he could still be that, but I'm still going to hang on him because he's weird and he's corny and he's a dumbass." <laughs> um, all right. Well, the subject of today's podcast is Anthony Joshua. In addition to Floyd Mayweather, two friends, by the way, I may add. Um, <laughs> they take pictures together, and uh, yeah. So, if you're done lying about Anthony Joshua, Babs. We can yeah, talk let's get about, this back on track. <laughs> we can talk about... There's an interesting story that's unfolded over the past... Um, well, really, it's been months now, years if you're me. But certainly today there was this announcement that Matchroom... Not Matchroom USA, because that doesn't exist anymore. But Matchroom was officially leaving Sky Sports. They would become... They would now be housed exclusively... In the UK, on a little app called DAZN, and first, Babs, this is the reason why you're here. What are they leaving behind by going all in on the app and leaving Sky Sports? Like, could you kind of address for maybe American listeners, like, and you've been in the US, like, you know, for a cup of coffee to see the Anthony Joshua fight as a fan. Um, so you kind of have a grasp of like the the 
networks here that are important in the US. So hopefully you can make like the analogies for us too. You know, compare what you leave behind or create an analogy for us of like you go from Sky Sports to an app. Yes, yeah, so I think the best comparison to make here from what I've seen in in the US is top rank relationship with ESPN. So you have a mixture of the shoulder pro programming but really the kind of wall-to-wall coverage of anything spike fight specific so you can have um fighters being interviewed on first take um previews on kind of other shows or not other kind of sports broadcasts whether it be nfl or whatnot um and then kind of underwall underman programming whether it be fight catch on spike replays and what we had what we have in sky is their commitment to boxing has been the past 25 30 years um and they have the kind of facilities to produce wall-to-wall coverage um they have a 24 7 news channel um, sky sports news and when it comes to any sort of events that they're broadcasting especially sky pay-per-view events they have the ability to uh, kind of book kind of pump out this kind of relentless machine interview fighters show preview content have preview shows have all that sort of kind of wall-to-wall coverage leading up to a fight. And that's really the major megaphone that goes towards um, the coverage and promotion of the big matching events and has done for the past close to a decade. Um, so really what matching are leaving behind is that basic megaphone. And they're basically relying on the kind of hope that through word of mouth, through online and print media, the newspapers, the online guide, the IFL TV, the box of social, and essentially the celebrity of Eddie Hearn and the celebrity of the fighters, well, mainly Joshua, but um, that's a separate issue, but mainly the celebrity of Eddie Hearn, that they'll still be able to retain the same amount of interest on their events and shows in the UK while still moving on to um, this app, which um, is, has relatively little traction in the UK as of now. Um, so it's a very it's a very risky move. It's a very interesting move, but um, I think as you guys have spoken about at length for the past several years, the zone really lives and dies on the amount that the wealthy investors want to pump into the project. And Eddie's rightly, as any kind of boxing head would do, would ride that kind of money train until it kind of falls out, falls off the wheels, sort of to speak. But it's a quiet interesting move i think it's like you mentioned it's been inevitable but at the same time it does carry its risks and um no one's really convinced that i speak to in terms of fans and journalists from the uk that they're sorry that they're gonna that they're gonna have the same kind of level of traction that they did or anything close to it that they had from sky and real quick i guess um if you were to say like these are the most popular And I know that you guys don't do ratings the way we do here, because obviously in the U.S., like, we are petty about everything. But, like, what are the top-rated things that you see on Sky? Um, And, like, how does that... I should say, like, and where do they fit on, like, the grand scheme of, like, viewers in the country? Because I hear, you know, to kind of, like, answer, like, you know, do the other side. You said, like, the comparison would be ESPN. And it's like, okay, well... What's the comparison? Like, what are the major events that you see on ESPN that do the highest ratings? It's like, well, the national title game, the NBA playoffs, Monday night football, uh, SEC games that feature Alabama, 
those would be the big, big ratings getting programs that not only compete just on the ESPN ecosystem, but also on TV on the whole. So like, what are those things for Sky? Um, so the main things to call out here are obviously football slash soccer, the Premier League. So any of the main sort of showpiece Premier League games, including the main kind of high commercial, high populist clubs. Alongside that, you have certain one-off yearly events. Um, the, if there's like a golf, if there's the Masters or the USPJ Championship, um, those would rank up highly. They do a lot of wall-to-wall coverage based on that. I'd say, um, and this is where it's interesting because obviously Matchroom have a lot of uh, sports that they dabble in and the main one is darts. So the darts world championship at the end of it each year, that's a kind of big high ranking one. Um, yeah, Tom cricket that. Would, yeah, a cr- a cricket would be a, <laughs> alongside them. A lot, of, a, some, a lot of summer cricket test matches would be um, highly rated. Um, um, and I can't, and I think that's largely it. I'm probably missing one or two other sports, but those are kind of like the main showpiece sort of attraction um, that Sky Sports generated. Their sort of coverage has shrunken in recent years. They've lost a lot of kind of high football rights. They lost um, WWE. They, do, they lost WWE to BT Sport. Um, they still have NFL. Um, they've sort of ramped up the NFL coverage. They have some NBA coverage, but it's really weird because we get some of the playoff games, but not all of them. Um, and yeah, and now, and really their focus is to be consolidating the dates um, for the Premier League. And they've been able to do so with the age of the pandemic and people just come together and saying, uh, we're doing well with this kind of system where we feed out all the dates to all these different partners, Sky, BT, Amazon, um, and we don't need to have like a lottery for it. Tom, did you have a question? Or did you want to pick up from here? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I I, yeah, I was typing it out. It's easier if I just say it. But yeah, I was just wondering if you can say succinctly, like, what are the biggest upsides for Matchroom with this deal? Is this a substantially bigger budget for them versus what they had with Sky? Will this put more fights on Dazen versus um, Pay-Per-View, say? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's two main um, upsides to it. The first one is obviously money. So I think from the financials that have been banded about, it does represent some sort of like a finance a financial ups- uplift from the current deals they had with Sky. Uh, we basically got to the stage with the current um, situation where we we went several years without there being a regular world title fight on a Saturday night primetime UK TV time that wasn't on pay-per-view. Um, I believe that will change now with the, um, the Zone UK Sky matchroom sort of set up. Um, you'll see the kind of British world champions be able to defend off pay-per-view. Um, and then the second one really is control of uh, broadcast and media. So there's been a lot made of the new matching media sort of venture that they've launched at towards around the time of the year. About that. Um, so that allows them to have full control of the broadcast, the production, um, the commentary, the cast, um, and they obviously have announced large plans to kind of bring in um, what they call like top tier broadcasters. Um, and whatnot to be part of this whole match and media setup, um, which is interesting. And obviously, Angelo, like you said, you have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, I mean, it's quite topical with all that's been going on and the kind of role that has been questioned alongside sports and journalism and the role that journalists and media play in sports has been in, in question in general in sports this week. 
Um, so it's all kind of like timely and topical. Um, but you know, so yeah, those are really the two main upsides to it. Um, but we'll have to wait and see if it's like a positive or not. I think so. I have a follow. Oh, ahead, Can I ask a follow up question? Yeah. Um, this is sort of for both of you. So either of you could jump in, but related to the production thing really caught my interest because, um, so this, Angela, you might need to correct me on this, but my understanding is that, um, uh, PBC, when they started this new Fox deal, one of the big things with that was Fox took over production. And that was something that I remember a Fox executive telling me at one of their press events, um, when they had announced the new deal prior to the, the Charlo card that, that launched that new deal. Um, I, you know, I'd never really thought about it, what that meant, you know, previously that they were doing their own production. Um, but certainly the Fox broadcasts have been like a million times better now than what they used to be on like FS1 and like the rare Fox, like Saturday night show. And this has also been a big issue related to thriller shows where they've had a lot of like lighting stuff, but really just like basics of like camera work and highlights has been really bad. Um, I, I, I'm interested to hear what both of you have to say about that, because a lot of this stuff with this deal is being spun as a huge positive, but I'm wondering, is it just a case of like sky did the production before us and now they need to do it themselves? I mean, is this really like a huge strategic advantage for them or is this really just more spin? It is 100% an advantage for them in theory, if pulled off correctly, this will be an advantage. There, make no mistake about it. When you can control every aspect of the delivery of your product, you now set narratives. You now are in control of what the people are hearing, what they're consuming on all levels. So as somebody who loves to be in control of, of like all of that stuff, which is me, I, I love that idea. But the issue comes here. Amazon won the rights to the NFL. They are paying billions of dollars to exclusively broadcast the NFL, but they, they halted the deal and they said, we have to delay it. Netflix has never got into live sports when everyone has said, you look at the subscriber base, there's what, 200 million subscribers uh, for Netflix. Why don't they get into live sports? That seems like a natural, a natural next step for them. And the reason for that is because when you're in charge of production, that leads to a lot of problems. There's a lot of issues. And the biggest one is that it is expensive. You can potentially be wasting millions and millions and millions of dollars on having your own production. And it's really interesting the way this is because when they launched in the US, okay, who handled production? It was not Matchroom, but they put together this hodgepodge of production that used a lot of the old HBO talent. Um, you know, they were independent contractors, I would assume, working for HBO. They now come over and they do this broadcast and the broadcast sucked in terms of production. And you know why that is? Because production takes years and years and years of like working together and, and synergizing before it can be really effective. You know, go watch Impact Wrestling. And look at that, I, I think it's live, I don't know if it's live, but if it is live, look at that and compare it to what you see from WWE. WWE has years and years and years of mastering the live delivery of content. That is huge, it costs a lot of money, and in a sense, we they are starting over again. And so there are going to be some major hiccups, I assume, like, you know, how long did it take for them to get the fucking color balance correct? 
okay? That is something that they struggled with. I think they still struggle with it actually to this day on the broadcast, but those are the things you're going to run into. But it is like a huge thing. And like you brought up PBC and one of the major things is like the Fox production. And um, if you remember, well, you know, obviously I think you don't remember Tom, but uh, one of the things about PBC and like their their NBC deal when they did the time buy, you know, one of the the things that they put into it is that they the networks had to do the production, which is why when they went to like ESPN, it was literally just Friday Night Fights with the PBC graphics over it. And you want the network to do that production because that's what they like. That's what their focus is. That's what they're master masters of. And it's kind of kind of crazy now that the, now, the, let me jump in for one second just to reframe yes. this a little bit. But yeah, I mean, just from two very succinct things as a fan, I want these shows to be produced by people who know what they're doing, because right, as up. you said, I mean, there have been so many shows with bad production on Azen. I mean, recently the uh, like uh, to use an extreme example, the Jamel Herring, Carl Frampton from Dubai was just really not yeah, was barely a even a pro- professional quality broadcast um so to me i want people who are good at it to do it and from a business standpoint you think there are extremely clear scale advantages if a network if the whole thing they do is broadcast you know uh and produce dozens of hours you know say 100 hours of programming per week you know how is that going to work for matchroom making maybe eight hours of content a month you know, are they going to rent all that equipment for every show? Are they going to buy, you know, there are clear scale disadvantages. So, I mean, both as, you know, a viewer and just from, a, you know, just semi, uh, uh, you know, informed, like sort of business observer, uh, that's it just seems bad in both both respects. Um, so, you know, I get the the comment about the editorial you know, if you can control everything you're doing, that's a big thing. Top Rank has done. I mean, clearly they're the ones doing the messaging on their shows, but um, seems to carry a lot of downsides to me. Well, I I think also one of the things that they're trying, what they're looking at, they're trying to model themselves after the UFC. And if you look at the way the UFC controls narratives and and you know can editorialize the broadcast, they do it really really well. Like UFC fans are some of. I hate to say this, but some of the most ill-informed of all fans of any fan base. And that is because there isn't a um, an objective sort of journalistic view that people are getting. And that's great for the promoter. That's great for the UFC who, you know, who runs their business. Or uh, in, in the best example of this, the WWE. Uh, but at the same time, there's a cost that that comes with. And, uh, the, the, you know, the, the real question, I guess that most fans would have is just like, well, is it going to be a joy for me to watch? And I think at the end of the day, it's like, you're watching boxing. Like, um, you, you'll be fine with it as long as you can see that somebody got knocked out. But I, I, the, the, the question is like, why would you do it this way? Why, why would match it? I think it makes sense though. If Matchroom Media, quote unquote, was more creating like narrative based stuff, creating shows that uh, that are more like ancillary programming to their fights and not necessarily being the team that comes up with the, the production on fight night of the actual sporting event. I think they'll be doing both, really. Um, so they already have started a lot of ancillary program. They'll do a lot of stuff around the 
pre and post fight um a lot of certain originally produced documentaries they've done quite a lot of stuff in their past few months on some um so they're really sort of to ramp that up ramping up that kind of ancillary side of the business but i'll just be interested to see how that transitions to the now the kind of live production element of the business um and it's really something that they kicked off um i essentially from my side they kicked off really to act as leverage in this kind of ongoing tug of war they had between sky and the zone um and now it, they've moved over to the zone and have the kind of liberty to put, push their own narrative forward um and kind of control the broadcast in this way um it will just only add to their kind of value and strength um whilst they have someone else funding their dream essentially now that is interesting and it like if you keep saying that it like it's one of those things where it kills the conversation. Now I'm not like criticizing you, but like it needs to be said, it kills the conversation that we could have or the serious conversation that we could have around this. If we keep saying that there's this billionaire who's funding it. Now, obviously that is the nature of the beast here. There's, um, you know, as long as Len Blavatnik wants to spend money, then shit, none of what we're saying actually matters. But, um, it, which is crazy because you know they they don't play by a, a set of rules that everybody else does. Um, but I do want to ask this question because I think it's interesting, and that is that in terms of sub numbers, um, there's obviously going to be churn as there is with any streaming service. And what they have run into in the U.S. is that the churn is incredible. People are clearly signing up for one month. They'll sign up for Canelo and then they dip. And the reason why is because they're, you know, obviously no longer focusing on the U.S. Clearly that was a failure. Just look at what, what people are doing. And so I'm curious though, like in the U.K., are Sky, were the numbers on Sky like sufficiently good and consistent that things will go any different? Because I got to imagine that people will sign up for... I literally don't know who Matchroom's UK stars are, by the way. So I'm gonna throw out like Callum Smith. I, they... I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad you asked this question actually, because it's part of like the issue that led us to this conclusion. Um, it got to a stage where, really, I'm guessing Sky and from what I've seen and heard, like from rooms and stuff, it got to a stage where the the hassle and the kind of cost of having the Matchroom boxing event didn't add up to. The kind of output they get in numbers and chain because at the end of the day uk boxing has a good loyal vociferous sort of hardcore fan base but it's still not a mainstream sport and it's only been further hampered by the pandemic and a lot of the growth of potential stars has been impacted and he got to a stage where he did he just cut out what sorry oh yeah sorry about that um I was just saying that like we got to a stage where it was just the two main standouts, um, Joshua and Fury, um, and then everything else that's fallen beneath that. Beneath what about them. Dillian White? What about Derek Chisora? I mean, what they're kind of offshoots of the Joshua heavyweight thing. So, like, um, and they're interesting because obviously we know that Joshua's not a part of this deal. Mm -hmm. um, Dillian White probably won't be because he's never been signed to match him. It's always been like a fight-by-fight yeah, no, it's it's confirmed he's not part of it. I've I've heard that a few separate times. Yeah, Joshua's definitely not part of it, and White's not even oh, signed to Matchroom. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so that will allow them to kind of 
benefit from the Sky pay-per-view module model uh, and all the sponsorship and the kind of push that they get from Sky Sports as a result result of that. Um, or really everything else in terms of a value perspective to the broadcaster doesn't really add up. Um, and you have like probably Eddie and Matching sort of trying to push the needle, push the button, but um, Sky will probably not willing to budge as, as opposed to the zone who look at boxing in the UK like they did in the US as like that kind of easy entry point to kind of building up um, the ability to get to obtain rights for other sports whether to be successful in that I don't know and how long they're willing to uh, carry on this partnership for I don't know either um, but what we've got now five years um, nine figures uh, 100 million or whatever it is and so we'll just have to see how it goes um, but yeah really um, Angelo, like you, you've watched British boxing probably more than I have over the past <laughs> ten years, <laughs> and you can't name any of the current stars, and I can't see where they're coming from. I can see guys who could probably become some sorts of like decent attractions, but I don't see any sort of emerging stars. And Matchroom haven't been able to kind of build any since the success of the class of 2020, 2012. Uh, the, cl- the class of twenty sixteen was commercially a, a disappointment um a lot of them will obviously go on to do decent things in the pros some of them one of them has already become a world champion um but in terms of star power it's just not there um and alternatively people look for stars and attractions for the local small hall circuit and that has been completely on hold since the pandemic has kind of ravaged through the uk um so that's that's slowed down as well it was i mean it, in terms of their local stars uh, I can't, I, I can't even name anybody who was building up a local attraction. Like, was Lewis Ritson really building that up? Was Jordan Gill building that up? Um, Rich, was Ritson to a small, Ritson to a small degree, um, but he Scott, got was beat. Scott Fitzgerald was Anthony Fowler. Were any of these guys building up to be like what Scott Quigg was or um, Josh Warrington was pre World Champion days? No, 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 I don't see really many people. Ritson, yeah, maybe, but he's obviously got limitations as to what his feelings are as a fighter. Um, Krull, none's really on the level of Krulla. None's really on the level of a Tony Bellew towards the end of his career. Um, those sort of those sort of guys. Um, I can't remember who else really. They, even they, like a Kevin, even like a Kevin Mitchell in yeah. Lon- in London had some sort of fan base. Um, it's all sort of locally, um, sort of 3,000 tickets here, 4,000 tickets here sort of thing. Um, and yeah, that's really where the kind of scene stands at the moment. Um, it's quite an interesting one. I, another thing um, is, you know, the, the, the model that the U.S. has operated under has been... You have pay-per-views and they do really well. And everything indicates that Anthony Joshua's pay-per-views do very well. And then you have basically all your other programming. And occasionally one of those is going to do very well. Um, But you're not expecting it to do well all the time. If you look at what Fox is doing, it's very clear that they don't expect a lot of these cards to make a difference for them or to move the needle. But they understand that they're putting their eggs in the pay-per-view basket because that's where you can get a return on your investment in boxing. And if you're dealing with a niche sport, the reason why you can't get a return on investment is because advertising dollars for boxing programming is nowhere near the amount you need it to be 
in order to justify putting boxing on TV. And that's just the reality of things. And pay-per-view helps that. And I think ESPN's taking a loss with top rank by doing this. But on the flip side, the money generated from ESPN Plus subscriptions and the future value you place on each subscriber, you know, you don't look at it just also on a like on a month by month basis, but like the um Tom, what's the term for like total like customer lifetime expenditure or something? Oh, customer lifetime value. Yeah. I think that comes into play here. Thank you so much, Tom. That MBA is definitely coming into use. <laughs> um, but what you see with Sky, they have these successful pay-per-views and they've, you know, definitely bought into pay-per-view. Uh, you definitely are, have bought in, by the way, if you're putting on Chisora versus Parker on pay-per-view. Uh, they've, or was it Chisora versus Usyk? I don't remember. But they clearly were invested in this model and it looked like they were operating under the same model as before. But they're out? Like, is it unfair to say that that just failed? That it didn't work in the UK for whatever reason? And if that is the case, what do you hypothesize is the reason for that model, successful as it is here in the US for decades and decades, did not work in the UK? I mean, I wouldn't say it's completely off the table, sorry. Um, It's going to be like this kind of weird situation where you have some pay-per-view events, the heavyweights, Joshua White, maybe Chisora again, if they convince enough people to buy it. Um, but you're going to have, obviously, the mainstay being this new design partnership. And I think, to answer your question, really it got to a stage where the pay-per-view market became severely saturated. Um, and we saw beforehand, even before the matching day, the Frank Warren days, that they ran, they kind of like rode the donkey until it <laughs> till the back came off sort of thing with the pay-per-view market and it got to a stage where um, they had to kind of step away and say like we're not going to put this on the return of the investment is not what we're expecting and Frank Warren and co went off and formed Box Nation Um, this is slightly different there's still going to be a Sky pay-per-view sort of fellow fellow sort of kind of Sky pay-per-view partnership of sorts um, especially Joshua, which is the kind of interesting uh, Joker card in this whole equation. What's going to happen with him, with his contract? Um, you'd expect him to continue with Sky because of the partnership that they've delivered, which is almost works separately with the general sort of matching stable. Um, but in general, like in terms of what the kind of pay-per-view body it is, it's just a product of saturation and it comes and goes in waves. And it's not similar to the US where the economy operates different and there's always going to be that kind of consistent level of demand. Eventually, here you're going to have a stage where the pay-per-views aren't going to sell as strongly. Um, there's going to be burnout. There's going to be there's going to be saturation and you're going to have to like kind of reset and restructure. What do you think, Tom? Uh, I mean, my overall comment on the whole thing is like, it's interesting that the big difference between this versus the U.S. rollout, where the U.S. rollout was like this attempt at like a shock and awe. They had a giant budget. You know, they were buying everything out. Um, you know, Joshua is obviously locked up now, but they aren't even really sort of previewing or implying that they're going to try to do like, you know, basically pay-per-view on broadcast. Um, I mean, they basically already said, like, the biggest events will be done as pay-per-views, you know, presumably through Sky or, or you know, other other carriers. So 
Um, it's just interesting. I mean, the main, just to, my main thought, and my question just asked you directly, Babs, is like, how, how, what kind of penetration do they have already in the market? Like, are, do you get a sense like UK fans are subscribed? And I, and I ask because like, it's been so weird so far because it's only three pounds a month, you know? So again, completely different in the U S where days in is really like one of the most uh, expensive streaming services in America. I mean, it's significantly more expensive than Disney plus or Netflix or things like that at a uh, $20 a month or, you know, 10 per month. If you have the year plan, um, like, uh, but also in, in you in uh, England, there's a thing of like a lot of the biggest events, like the Canelo fights, are in the middle of the night. You know, they're they're like 3 a.m. main event times. Like, I mean, so yeah, I, I, I'm curious to hear both from a mainstream perspective, if you're aware of any mainstream people that currently have this, and even just from like the sort of, you know, just boxing people from hardcores to casuals. Like, are they subscribed to this three dollar a month plan? I think you know the answer. I think you know the answer to that question, but really, <laughs> um, yeah, I actually really don't. I mean, I I pretty much avoid like the general boxing channel in the Discord. I, I I'm not on boxing Twitter that much, so I, I I really don't have that much of a sense of like the the casual British fans. Yeah, I mean, it's there's not much market penetration at all because obviously the launch was what at the turn of the at December around the turn of the year. Um, and the kind of what the first what UK specific event was what caused Garcia Campbell. Campbell's not the biggest name here. Um, it was at a UK friendly time. Um, they did cut. <laughs> yes, that too. Um, there was obviously some sort of like kind of affiliate marketing. They got IFL, the trusted friends, to push the event and the subscription to the zone massively. Um, similar for Canelo Billy Jules, Joe Saunders, another Brit that got clipped aboard. Um, so that's really where it stands for in terms of market presence. You'd be hard pressed to find any sort of casual sports fan here who's either A, heard of the app or B, willing enough to subscribe to the app um, to watch the watch the programming. It's still very much early doors um, and I don't know in such a competitive market kind of crowd where their penetration is going to come by. Although, having said that, there was some sort of rumours about BT and they obviously have a lot of sports rights in their own right, um, including some boxing as well with the Frank Frank Queensby relationship. Um, there's class, there's rumours that they're going to sell their kind of sports back or sports entity in order to uh, further their kind of general broadband and internet business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a design could come into play and that could be their entry in towards getting market penetration there because they'd acquire a lot of kind of sports rights as a result of that um, and the various sports that they uh, BT have uh, and you can get interest scenario there. But that's a very kind of far-fetched um, ideal as it stands at the moment um, and there's a lot of kind of tools at play. So at the moment, there's not really much penetration and it's hard to see where that could come by. So you're really relying, like you said, you're really relying on matching boxing and the kind of celebrity of Eddie Hearn to really push this forward. Yeah. And as a follow up question, so, I mean, just, just to clarify what you just said, I mean, it sounds like your sense is, isn't in the UK. Most of the growth is going to, is a, you're expecting would come from acquiring other content. Like the, the days in deal with Matchroom is not going to be like the main thing. Oh, gee, where uh, have I heard this before? 
it's basically it's basically the same as the US. We have a competitive market space. Um, the rush for rights here and there are going to be fierce, uh, and you have this low barrier entry sport, although with some mainstream traction, um, and obviously a main figurehead who's going to push the narrative forward. But at the end of the day, that's not going to be sufficient enough to drive a service that people are going to pay um, subscription numbers or money for in order to watch the products in, in place. Um, so it's kind of like an interesting one there. Um, and it could end up the same way, but, you know, they seem to be in it for the long term. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, that's really the interesting thing to me is it's it's, again, it's completely different. I mean, it's like, they have a very measured budget of about $20 million per year, it sounds like. You know, there's some games which are being played the semantics, but it sounds like, you know, they're trying to ramp up a kind of a domestic level just just programming, you know, just a certain number of hours of programming per month, basically, with a much more controlled budget, as opposed to the U.S., where they spent an extraordinary amount of money and basically said, we're going to take over the sport. And then when that didn't happen, you know, they didn't get NFL rights, they just sort of shut it down, but... Uh, again, like you're saying, this this seems to be uh, they're they're at least framing it as as a longer term plan. Um, the, so the the last question I have for you, if that's okay, is is that okay, Angela, or do you want to jump in for a second? No, you can go. So from your perspective, again, this is something I really have not taken much of a dive into. Can you name like two to three, four, whatever? fights that like fans might look forward to and i'm saying this sincerely i know you know we sometimes troll like matchroom and eddie hearn but like fans could look forward to on this is there anything like on the horizon or are we expecting anything like showtime's upfronts where they're gonna put together some fun like domestic matchups or is it yeah well that's maybe that's sort of what I'm wondering, though. I mean, have they? I mean, is there anything really that seems like on the table? Because I mean, the thing which is confusing to me again. I mean, Eddie Hearn's talking about like changing the game, but it doesn't really seem like twenty million dollars a year is really going to like make waves. And there also doesn't seem to be that much available talent. So anyway, that that is a long way to ask the question. But are there any like immediate matchups that are being discussed, or we could potentially look forward to, or is it just kind of what whatever Eddie can come up with with his current stable? Kid Galahad um, versus Jazza Dickens. Yep, so that will probably be in fight camp August 7th. I would expect to see Lawrence Coley defend his world title for the first time. Um, I probably expect to see like a women's title fight where it'd be Terry Harper or Katie Taylor. Um, Josh probably Blossy be... probably will fight for a world title. No, not next. Um, I don't know if he'll be in, in t- around that kind of launch fight camp probably after that. Um, who else have we got? Um, a, a, a few kind of um, European. This guy does not know how to control his his microphone. You've muted yourself again. Was that Tom? No, that was you. Oh, whoops. Um, well, I'm on now. Um, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> um, when I stand, yeah. Um, so a couple of world title fights, a couple of European title fights, um, a, a women's world title fight. Um, and then the rest of it is up to guesswork. But this is my question, going back to my question before, is this level of fight, and let's call it what it is, this is domestic level boxing, you know, does, mm-hmm. d- does anybody care about this outside of the UK? 
And no, it's not going to be stuff that is cared about outside the UK. Okay, let's be real. uh, Yeah, and and that's not to put it down. Okay, but my question is, what is the level of success that these types of fights are going to have, and is that enough to for fans to justify subscribing year round? Because this is the problem with any streaming service is how do you get people to not just sign up for one month, binge the great British baking show and then cancel their subscription. Okay. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that's, I think I made the point earlier that there's just not the talent base or the, or the kind of popularity of fighters to create the sort of schedule, which um, allows for, that kind of year round, round the clock sort of products that people buy into. You're really only going to get the loyal, matchy, messy, um, hardcore boxing UK co- cohort who will subscribe for year round at this current price point. And then once that price point inevitably goes up, even then some of them will kind of dip in and out as it when it suits. Um, but I don't see anything like immediate on the horizon, which would be completely eye-catching it's just really a slightly enhanced version of the current of what was happening on sky um and seeing like what comes up here and there here's like the 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 billion dollar question how many people out there are only rocking with matchroom because joshua fights on there and the real gut check is will these people sign up when there, this is not the place where you get Anthony Joshua in the ring. Is I think I John, think Eddie Hearn. I think Eddie Hearn's developed enough of celebrity that he can they can generate like a enough in the audience. Isn't well, that embarrassing? It is very embarrassing spelling it out, but it's just the way it is. Um, we spoke about it. I'm and a boxing fan, years. but I but, watch because I like the guy who wears the suits. Like, come on, man. <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah, so there obviously will be some Joshua fans who aren't going to tune into all like the kind of matching, did they or not just Joshua matching stuff? But Eddie, Eddie's created his own level of celebrity. He's got podcasts, he's got books, he's got celeb appearances here and there. Um, that there'll be enough word of mouth that he can go and you prize out celebrities to do affiliate marketing, social media stuff, and get enough of a push behind these shows. Um, to create enough of a buzz around them. Um, all right, Tom, any final words here before we move on? Uh, I'm definitely talked out on this topic. Bad. Yeah, I just had one one last thing to add. Um, I think, Tom, you touched on it beforehand, but it's just funny, like, in terms of the framing of this being game-changing with regards to basically around this time, what, three years ago that we had the US launch and the kind of hoopla that was around that and the we've gone from like 125 million per year to 20 million a year um we've gone from eddie wanted to sign uh 18 or so like top end us talent and only ending up working with two and then going back to the uk to kind of consolidate his part his power in this kind of small pond sort of thing um so it's kind of weird that it's been phrased as game changing, but you know, it's just the way that they shape narratives and they kind of get to carry on this sort of weird thing where they're saying that they're going to take, they're becoming a USC boxing and they're kind of going to take over world boxing bit by bit by just kind of dipping their toes in 
all sorts of different territories and then consolidating themselves in the territory that we know that they already have dominance over. Yeah, it's it's they're trying to frame it as like, you know, we are like all of boxing because we have a global position. But like, just like, I, I guess the way to put it is like, this is like HBO saying like, you know, we are boxing because we have, you know, all these guys who fight, but not including the fact that, you know, 90 to 100% plus of the profit came from the fights with Floyd, with Manny, like acting like those weren't outsizing everything and those weren't making all of this possible. And like, you can come with the, you know, we have all this global, you know, this, this footprint globally, but it, the question is, well, does, is that worth the sum of its parts? Because if Josh or if Wilder Fury, I think is going to cast a huge shadow over boxing because of how big that fight is going to be. I mean, so what you are the number one provider in Guyana or I know I'm trying to remember countries that I've seen on box rec, uh, Nambia, um, Moldova, like you could do that. And to some extent that's noble, but at the same time, when you add all those up, does that equal having a strong grasp in the, in the U S I don't know. Do you think also that this, if Frank Warren plays this right, and I guess we'll end here. If Frank Warren plays this right as the bona fide number two promoter in the UK, could he actually make massive ground uh, up in trying to catch up to Matchroom? I mean, he's got the number two star in the UK in Tyson Fury. He might even have the number uh, number three guy. He's the number three guy. I'm trying to think. Who would be the number three guy in the UK? It'd probably be Dylan White, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, D- Dylan White's independent, kind of, but um, yeah, I don't know. There's like there's loads of guys in the mix for number three. Frampton? Um, oh no, but, Frampton is cooked. I forgot Frampton, he got knocked out. Frampton's dead. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Could have um, been Dubois. I, yeah, it might I tried to tell you guys though. <laughs> I believe in that boy. He's gonna make it to the top. Oh, he, um, can he see? <laughs> uh, fine this weekend. We'll find out. I keep forgetting. He's uh, yeah. But up to answer question, no, I don't think Frank can make the ground up. He doesn't have the kind of talent pool. He's still he's um he's really trying to build up from a, a lower base, spilling up a lot of like kind of very regional amateur guys and trying to kind of rush them to the top. And that's what ha- happened with Dubois and and Anthony Yard. Um, so that's really the kind of current situation with Frank. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be able to make up the ground, and he just doesn't have that Eddie Hearn level celebrity or the kind of um, resonance of the younger fan base that um, Matt Jim and Hearn do. Um, so, yeah. I think Frank's problem is that he needs to get better at signing guys that are actually good. They probably go Yeah, like he's, got, he's, completely, he's completely lost that kind of touch. And the guys who are even semi-good will just end up leaving him for Matt Jim under his own money anyway. Um, so he just, he's, kind of, he's kind of resources to pick guys from, from the amateurs who are underdeveloped and not that good and haven't been trained properly um, and then not getting built up and then and not getting stopped. All right. Well, let's transition over to Floyd Mayweather, who makes his return to the wing, the ring. I'm over here sounding like that. Um, was it Victor Lachlan who has the the impediment? I am the Wee. 
Um, That's Ian John Lewis. Is that Ian John Lewis? <laughs> yeah, the guy who did Pascal Hopkins too. Um, of all the fights that you could have pulled out to, as an example of, you know, oh, he he was because that was on that was on HBO. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of any sort of international fights you would have done that you guys know. But just yeah, pick that's a the, UK that's... one. He he's obviously done a Joshua fight and and all that in the past. Uh, Floyd Mayweather returns to the ring for the matchup with Logan Paul. Let's just start with a really simple question. We've known about this for a while. We've had the weeks of promotion. We've had the the scuffle at the press conference we've seen the training footage we've seen the face-off have you guys worked yourself into being interested in this fight <laughs> yeah definitely really um no 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 tom I you're lying you're lying and i'm gonna call you a liar and you can defend yourself but i'm gonna call you a liar <laughs> you're lying you are not interested in this whatsoever but you're pretending to be interested because you've been going back You've been watching old Floyd fights. You think that the old Floyd is going to show up on Saturday, or you're just excited to see the <laughs> a, immense, it, like literally generational talent on display in those early fights uh, of Floyd's that you've somehow convinced yourself and deluded yourself into thinking that this Sunday is going to be Floyd Mayweather going in there and treating Logan Paul like he's Arturo Gotti. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm not expecting Mayweather versus Scotty necessarily, but oh, um, <laughs> you're, at least ex- you're, at least, you're at least expecting Mayweather versus Sean Bay Mitchell or something like that. <laughs> well, or Mayweather versus McGregor. Um, no, I, I, I mean that's a fun way to introduce it. Yeah, I, I'll just fill in for people who aren't aware of this, but yeah, I, I told Angela I've been rewatching all of Mayweather's early fights. I've got a, a fun video I'll post probably on Sunday morning. Uh, with uh, highlights from Mayweather's first year as a pro, uh, which is really interesting to go back and look at that. And I mean, something what's interesting they're doing with broke his hand, got hurt in a fight, uh, got uh, cut a few times, which was funny because one of the big narratives with Maidana fight was that he had never been cut before. Uh, But he was cut like (laughs) visibly uh, twice. I think it's because he bladed though. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, he also is crazy because in his first, uh, he fought, basically once a month for like two years, taking off a few months here or there. So it was uh, very, very interesting. You know, it was almost like checking in on like a reality show every few months. You know, it was like, okay, here's Floyd. Here's how he is uh, a month later and, you know, just keep going through. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. But no, I, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, something which is really interesting with this whole project is um, – uh, just based on how you framed it, of like what version of Mayweather are we expecting? What kind of show are we expecting? I mean, something which is really funny is like, take Mike Tyson, for instance. Like his casual fan base was so based around him blowing out people quickly. You know, when he, that was when he was at his height, that's what he was doing. He was blowing out no hope opponents and then eventually blew out, you know, all the world championship level people and then started to run into problems you know with training i mean that's that's the abbreviated version he did have some distance we all know the story of mike tyson you didn't need to go yeah yeah but um you know it was interesting seeing his decline like you know 15 20 years ago when you know okay he was no longer world championship level but there were multiple attempts to say okay let's just get him in the ring with a horrible opponent and he should still you know it's like he doesn't need to go rounds he should still be able to knock these people out and ultimately, probably for more like mental health reasons than anything else, that like didn't work. And you know, he ended up losing his last 
couple fights and they were really busts and you know that it seemed on paper like a good thing hey you know you can take this guy who's like a, a crossover personality in pop culture and just let him do his thing you know all you have to do is reduce the level of competition and he can still just knock those guys out it'll be a fun show he had done that a few years before with clifford etienne still got you know the the first round knockout if i'm if i'm remembering the the name of the guy correctly but then uh it just it just completely fell off a cliff and you know uh, Roy Jones is an example of a guy who was not able to do that. <laughs> you know, when he started to age, there's basically no level of opponent they could put him in with where he could still put on a show. So I, this is, this will be interesting. I don't, I don't think it's a given, you know, granted, you know, he went from, you know, Manny Pacquiao, one of the best fighters of all time, had their farewell fight with Berto. Then he comes back against Conor McGregor, who's not a boxer, but is still like, you know, more or less a world-class UFC fighter and had boxed a little bit, you know, at least knew how to throw punches. You know, maybe I'm being too generous to him. To now you have a guy who's, you know, an influencer and the sales pitch on him is like he was a jock in high school at wrestling and he's just way bigger than Floyd. Also all, I, all state just, linebacker. Oh, was he? Okay, I didn't even, you know, so okay, he was a jock at, you know, the high school level, but... um you know, I, I'm fascinated by this. I, you know, that's what I want to see. You know, when you guys are talking about, you know, Mayweather versus Gotti, whatever, <laughs> joking about Charmbay Mitchell or even, you know, throw out some of his other dominating fights against like Diego Corrales. It's like, you know, OK, you know, can they still make this work? You know, if you kind of take as a given his you know, reaction time will be greatly eroded. And um, yeah, I, I think he will. I mean, I think he'll wear out. uh you know, Logan Paul for a round or two with jabs to the body. And then at whatever point uh, he starts to get so tired that it's sloppy and it's not going to look good on TV, I think he'll close the show and I think it's going to be great. But there's definitely the intrigue of, you know, again, what happened with Roy Jones and Mike Tyson where they sort of tried to do things like this and it just didn't work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm super looking forward to it. If all goes to plan and he annihilates him, I think that's going to be incredibly entertaining to watch Mayweather destroy a guy much bigger than him. Um, you know, I think it was uh, Matt who had a great line on a past podcast that um, Logan Paul's influencer hair is going to be flopping all over the place. Um, but, you know, again, like any great fighter event, there's always the intrigue of you don't know what's going to happen with the bell rings. And, you know, this guy's much bigger than him. Floyd's 44 and you know no one's really been able to do this before no one's been able to take a superstar who's way past his prime and sort of repackage him against lower level opponents and kind of make it work so I I'm fascinated I mean I'm super pumped I'm really surprised by you know even people in our chat who I would think I would be really um, you know of the same mind aren't as excited as I am about it so I'm interested to hear from you guys um I think I'm interested in it for the spectacle of it. I, I I think there's a lot of people out there who maybe don't like it because they don't... It seems like there's a lot of factors at play here where you have an older Floyd you uh, uh, trying to bridge a gap that you think maybe that's just a little too big. Like, yeah, Logan Paul's an inexperienced and if he was a professional, he'd be a terrible fighter. But... At this point, you look at a Floyd who probably isn't sparring much for this, probably isn't training that hard. Do you want to see boxing be made a mockery if 
in some way Logan Paul lands a shot and not even hurt or um, knocks Floyd out, but just hurts him. It completely undermines the legitimacy of boxing, whether it you know that's true or not. I think people in their you know, I guess we can say in 2021 where conversations have very little room for like nuance and 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 all of that. It, it is a, a situation that probably nobody wants to to be in, and I think that there are people out there who maybe. That's the the reason why they're not that interested in this. Um, on the other hand, I do think that this will be hilarious because uh, in the event that Logan Paul is actually as bad as I think he is, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he is really bad, uh, what we're going to see probably is very much, and this is something that I think people lose sight of, is like, this is an exhibition. There's nothing that says this isn't already predetermined, that this isn't, like, uh, fixed isn't the right word, but this isn't, there's like an agreement that Floyd's not going to knock him out, that Floyd's not going to hurt him too bad, that neither guy's going to throw at 100%, it's going to be like 80%, like, we're just here to, you know, help the the, the Logan Pauls, uh, well, for Floyd, obviously, is to rob the bank, as you said, but for the Pauls to, like, you know, get another level of notoriety, that that could be the case. Now, is that is that what it actually I think is actually going to be? No. And my evidence for that is I think that was the game plan for the tension uh, fight that Floyd did in in Japan. And if you guys remember correctly, Floyd didn't take that serious whatsoever. He looked the worst we've literally ever seen Floyd look in his entire life. Like Floyd was in better shape when he got out of prison than he showed up for in that fight against tension. Floyd probably had like a cheeseburger and pizza or whatever before the fight. He showed up. He was smiling. He was kind of had a smirk on his face like, yeah, all right. You know, I'm collecting a check here. Tension comes out, throws those hooks, and those are full speed, like try hard type of hooks. Floyd looked at him like, oh, oh, you you actually want to fight. And then Floyd like just pieced him up and made him cry, which, uh, you know, that's Floyd throwing the live rounds. And so my my question and what i'm most interested in is are there going to be live rounds being fired in this one and if that is the case it is going to be glorious for me because do i want to see logan paul get the hell beat out of him in the way only floyd mayweather can do uh that would be awesome babs are you, are you interested in this is this something that people in the uk are even talking about because sky sports is going to be broadcasting this one on pay-per-view they, from what I can see, have put a lot into the fight. I think they put, like put a lot into it, but um, it's there. They're going to broadcast it in Sky Sports box office. Um, um, they were on Sky Sports News, I think, earlier today, pump, pumping it, um, giving it like a kind of pathetic sales job of it. Um, so I think yeah, some of that people are aware of. Um, personally, um, I'm kind of like with you, Angelo, just like... A, the possibility of just like a meme-worthy KO or annihilation of Logan Paul would be hilarious. But aside from that, it just, um, it just yeah, it doesn't really grip me. Like, Mary McGregor gripped me. Um, it just, it's just there. It's like a nice kind of like light relief amongst like a, a stack schedule of sports and a stack schedule of boxing in general. Um so may I may or may not pay attention to it, but at the same time, it's like uh, 
yeah, no real strong feelings about it, really. Um, it's kind of creeped up on us um, quite quickly. Um, and, yeah, I just enjoyed the ride for it, I guess. The, the thing ab- about this is that Floyd... It, we're, we, there are two things being bridged here, and there is that Floyd Mayweather has proven over the course of his career that he can get people to part ways with their money to watch him fight, okay? Logan Paul, on the other hand, who's incredibly popular, doesn't have as many Twitter followers as Floyd, but he does have uh, something like 20 million subscribers on YouTube. The number might actually be higher. But that's a lot of people that subscribe to his channel. Of course, that's also global. I don't think YouTube separates it out by country. But over the around the world, 20 million people subscribe to Logan Paul. We are going to see... Or, well, no, sorry, I, I didn't finish the point. You have a guy in Floyd Mayweather who people, he has proven can, he can get them to spend their money. Logan Paul, on the other hand, with for all of his followers, for all of his fame and notoriety, he fought on pay-per-view before, a $10 pay-per-view, and was only able to move 1 million buys, along with KSI, who's also... Uh, I don't think he's as famous as him, but he's another famous YouTuber on a card full of YouTubers. And to me, what that suggests is that we have this new school where there's, people are there to support if it's free, if it's not difficult to consume the content. You have that being bridged with a guy who's proven over the course of his career that people will spend the money to watch. When you bring these two together... uh what's going to give here and where who is bringing the most interest because if the people who are primarily interested in this fight are people who are fans of logan paul i think that is bad news for pay-per-view buys but on the other hand if floyd's fans are going to be loyal to floyd as they've been over the course of his career i think we could expect to see a very profitable event uh, the one thing that we can be certain of is this is not going to be Mayweather-McGregor. It won't be anywhere close to it. You know, Conor McGregor is insanely popular and also has proven or had proven over the course of his career that people are willing to pay to watch him fight. And I think he was it, really... Go ahead. He was, at the, he was at the peak of his kind of fame when that, May, that Mayweather fight happened, which was made him even more stronger. So... Um, no, it was after the Eddie Alvarez win. So it was a two, it, it was a two weight world champion. So I was really like at that kind of peak McGregor fandom. Tom, do you have any feel for what this is going to do in terms of buys? Yeah, I think you've covered it both now and another podcast. I heard you talking about this, you know, it's like if you compare it to the, mcgregor fight you know the mcgregor thing was both this sort of crossover narrative of like you know who's the king between like both sports and even besides that like mcgregor was just much more popular from a social media standpoint than like logan paul is so it it's you know so logan paul has only the social media following and you know, absolutely zero substance. And then, you know, as you said, we've already seen the, the, the days in, uh, YouTuber events into huge box office. Um, the Triller events, we've pretty much every indication they've kind of like lied about how those events have done. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, the baseline is more like, you know, yeah, what does Mayweather do against like a pop culture figure? I, I, I mean, it's hard because like from a pop culture standpoint, like I'm starting to see all the right stuff from this for this to be successful. Like um, I've seen stuff about this on like politics blogs. You know, it's trended on Which Twitter. multiple times. do you read, Tom? I, I'm not going to get into that, but um <laughs> I, you know, this has trended on Twitter multiple times just for the promotion trended stuff. Today. I mean, definitely. It's okay, like, so it's yeah, the okay, gotcha hat stuff. It's okay. You can admit you watch, you read Breitbart. It's okay. We won't judge you. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, no, but uh, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Just to get back to this. I really have no idea. I mean, I think it will do well for the sake of just them making money for, you know, a fight which probably doesn't have any business existing. You know, as Floyd keeps saying, this is just, you know, highway robbery, whatever, you know, terms he's using, you know, just to describe the sort of theft here. I mean, um, you know, but it's it's not going to break the bank, but I think it will be successful. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I can't really attach a number to that, though. I'll be extremely interested to see the tickets, though, because that's something we'll be able to see you know, very plainly on the broadcast is, you know, what kind of crowd they're able to put together for this. Yeah, I think that typically there, I think, I want to say that there's correlation, but I don't think that's necessarily true because there's a lot of factors that go into play uh, in both ticket sales and then pay-per-view buys that there isn't a correlation, even though it feels like there should be. Um but the crowd is one thing. They're in a football stadium. I think it's full capacity, too. So that is wild. I mean, we haven't heard anything about tickets in terms of moving. And my guess is that that's just not how they roll. They're not out here trying to uh, pump up or the ticket sales, or maybe they just don't need to. The, the thing that I'm wondering yeah, let me just jump in very, very specifically on the ticket sale thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of assuming that the ticket sales are being handled by the venue, similar to like the the Cowboys um, shows at 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 and T Stadium, um, where even though you know you heard Hearn talk about it occasionally, my understanding from the Spence fights is like the venue handles it. So you're not hearing about the like typical like boxing ticket seller people because just the you know. The venue's doing it. I that's my assumption, but still, I feel like even given that, we've heard, you know, much less than we're used to hearing, which is hard to interpret. But anyway, go on. You know, I didn't realize this because I didn't check, but like Fanmio says that the event is sponsored by DraftKings and Smills, uh, which you gotta if you have an event that's sponsored by DraftKings, that is something that these betting companies right now are throwing out a ton. Of money, and uh, I was listening to a podcast today, or not today, um, a couple days ago, about the future of sports uh, journalism and sports media in general. And one of the hosts was hypothesizing that we could see a move away from like ESPN, and I'm gonna um, extrapolate from his point and like kind of. Uh, What's where I make it my own? I don't know. Whatever that is. The possibility that part of the appeal of these gambling websites is going to be that they are also feeding you news. That they are... Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. That part of the appeal of these sites is that they 
have the news, they have the feed, they have the stats. And what ESPN is will be DraftKings, will be FanDuel. And interestingly enough, okay, I think Fox saw the way the wind was blowing because they created their own sports book immediately um, when sports gambling started to legalize itself here. And uh, so the, the, the thing was, it's like, what would stop, say, DraftKings, who's got a ton of money, they're looking to continue to expand their market share, what would stop them from taking this some of their profits and spending it on, let's say, an Adrian Wojnarowski, who is a huge name in NBA circles, breaks a ton of news and all this stuff. What would stop them from doing that? And now when you get Adrian Wojnarowski's news, you're also encouraged on all the ways in which you can bet on what he is you know, delivering. And so, you know, these... Gambling sites have so much money, uh, like DraftKings, and so that you know that that's kind of something that I'm thinking of at least. I'm looking at the seating chart online, which is not looking at the seating chart. I can clearly see that while there are tickets available in this gigantic football stadium, they have sold quite a bit of tickets, and the prices are steep. These floor seats that, I don't know if they're any good, but they are $4,000. That is uh, a lot of money for a retired fighter and a guy fighting in an exhibition who's never won a fight. Yeah, so I mean, can having said that, I mean, can you put a number to it? Do you have an expectation for the gate, the attendance, oh, or boy. just... Babs, you go. You're, you're, you're the expert on uh, ticket sales. I'm the expert on ticket sales. I expect, I expect the gate hypothetically looking at the kind of prices that have been banded about. It must be pushing eight figures, really, um, in terms of gate, gate numbers. Um, that's what I expect, but, you know, I'm not there. Um, so go for it, and, you know, What do you think it's going to be? I, I, I think it's definitely we're going into the eight-figure mark. And the thing that, even though I looked at the seating map and there are tickets available, and in some sections there's more tickets than others, the price that people are asking and what is considered a good price based off of SeatGeek's algorithm is nuts. Like, there are no fights that I can recall other than Mayweather-Pacquiao and Mayweather-McGregor where tickets were being sold at, at these numbers. And so I, I, I personally thought that that was kind of like, um, they were kind of exaggerating a little bit about the price of tickets and all that stuff. But... I look at this now and I'm thinking maybe it wasn't. Maybe this was for real because some of this is crazy. And I, if you guys may not remember because um, you're not basketball fans, uh, Babs, you pretend to be. Uh, but Kobe's last game, if you guys remember the stories about Kobe's last game, like tickets were going for like $80,000. And uh, this kind of gives me that vibe or I almost don't believe it where the price of some of these tickets is actually a bigger story than the fight at this point. And yeah, Mayweather McGregor had like absurd ticket prices and didn't and people made a big deal like, oh, they only sold fourteen thousand tickets, but like the average ticket price was actually absurd. Right. It that's like yeah, they still like the gate was like four or five times that of Joshua Klitschko, which was like what, ninety thousand people they claim? Yeah, I only did about like 
11, 12 million at the, at the gate. And you have Mary McGregor, which sells, what, 13,000 tickets and does, oh God, what was it, 40 million plus? Yeah, well, Mayweather Pacquiao, which sold out the MGM Grand Garden, which isn't the biggest venue, uh, and that pulled in, like, what, 70 million? Just absolutely yeah, um, crazy. The, it'll, be interesting, it'll be interesting to see what um, Wilder Fury 3 does as well at the T-Mobile. Um, where things start to open up around there. I guess now do like a similar number to the second fight. Why are you breaking my news? <laughs> because I'm the real scoop here. Are you the uh, are you the helmet that posts news eight minutes before the embargo is supposed to be lifted? <laughs> <laughs> it's the dumbest thing on boxing Twitter today. Uh, I don't know about that. There's there, there's a lot of dumbness out there, Tom. Yeah, that, that is certainly true. I'm stuck every minute. Um, yeah, but I mean, um, are are we ready to kind of move on to you know the undercard, other stories? I mean, I think that's probably as much as I have to say about the main fight itself. Well, I mean, I don't have too much to say about anything else. Uh, you know, the undercard is what it is. We lost the the Badu Jack John Pascal fight. Good thing though. Good thing. If John Pascal was going to show up and be on one steroid, that's bad. I don't want to see it. But when he's going to show up and be on four, like, bro, you should be arrested for assault with a deadly weapon with all the gear in your system. <laughs> yeah, there were so down, many funny jokes down, on Twitter right? about this. <laughs> what did you say, Babs? I said, calm down, Stephen A. That man should be arrested immediately. He, I, I did, well, yeah. Look, Jarrell Miller. John, pa- John Pascal still owes 50 cent money, so I guess that's what we spend all the money on. <laughs> EPO. He could have, ju- never mind. I was going to say something real bad. Uh, and I shouldn't say. But uh, there are other things he could spend his money on. And um, I, I, you know, was that going to be a good fight? I don't know. I think Badu Jack is done. He's cooked. John Pascal, done and cooked. Do we really need to see that fight? It could have wound up being 12 well, rounds of well, punching and Pas- John Pascal was cooking something. I don't know if it was cooked, but he was cooking up something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, with all that interacting in his system, I mean, yikes. Uh, I mean, the, the last fight I went to live was Badu Jack, Marcus Brown at the Barclays. And I knew it was just too good to be true. <laughs> You mean John Pascal and Marcus Brown, where John Pascal was getting out box, getting out box, and then, oh, yeah. I land one good shot, and Marcus Brown reacts like I just hit him in the face with a bat? Yeah, yeah he just certainly like reacted balls. like uh, Jean Pascal was on every PED in the pharmacy. <laughs> um, Shout out to uh, uh, Dan Raphael for trying to drag Memo Heredia into this when he has nothing to do with this, apparently. Uh, memo, blo- memo blocked me for t- trolling him about it actually um, it was quite funny I was like yeah uh, it was like he, I think what was it like uh, Sean Gibbons fighter won and uh, match him on the card and I was like and he was saying how oh, easy work to Sean Gibbons I was like that's what Vada say when they catch one of your guys <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's been some amazing stuff my favorite joke uh, about this was someone saying uh John Pascal is trying to complete the PED Infinity Gauntlet. Oh yeah, that one was really good. That one was really good. He he, he had like literally everything except for Diana Ball. Yeah, oh, but God. um, well you to have to get, get back, paid oh. to fight with that. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, but to to get back like slightly more seriously on the discussion, um, yeah, the the undercard did end up being a little underwhelming. I mean, 
you know, and maybe that's even an understatement. I mean, I'm interested in the fights. Like, I want to see Jared Hurd, see what he looks like, see if he has a, you know, he's going to be a player at 154, even though this fight is oddly at 160. You know, Badu Jack. Yeah, I'm just a big, about it. That's a big boy. Well, yeah, but he says he's, well, anyway, I, I'm just, I don't want to spend any extra seconds on this than what it deserves. But anyway, we'll, we'll get a good sense of who, who he's in with. I mean, he's not in with a dead body. I mean, the guy's not amazing but he had gone the distance with daniel jacobs so Luis I mean, arias is know. competent he is a guy that can last and i think most importantly he's a guy that knows how to make fights ugly and that benefits uh or that does not benefit Jarrett hurd because if he comes in and tries to do that boxing shit again oh boy he might lose i'm just throwing this out there yeah, I mean, if this was the Jarrett Hurd who, like, walked through Tony Harrison and Austin Trout, and, I mean, that's not exactly what happened in those fights, but, yes, you know, had that. rough physical fights where he ultimately got stoppages, um, you'd think, okay, he's going to stop Luis Arias. Um, but just a lot of bad stuff for him. You know, he, he, he really looked bad in just a series of fights. I mean, against, you know, Jason Wellborn, lost to Julian Williams, and then looked very bad in his comeback fight against Francisco Santana. So, you know, he's not on a good trajectory and then he has a new trainer that I have no faith in. So I, I, you know, really I would not be surprised if he gets upset like at all. I mean, you know, I, I said, you know, partly tongue in cheek that if he fought, um, um, uh, Sebastian Fundora, I would pick Fundora by knockout. And I, I was really only being slightly cheeky when I said that. I mean, I, I, I really don't have a lot of faith in Jared Hurd. And I'm surprised that he's coming back against even this level of opponent. I mean, if there's any guy who deserved to fight a guy with like four knockout losses, um, <laughs> excuse me, five knockout losses like um, Devin Haney did last weekend, <laughs> um, I think it would be uh, Jared Hurd's turn. There it is. You have, to get, you have to get in the slide bigger, Devin, the dream. Uh, yeah, what did Devin do to everybody? So I, he's just I don't not know. That good, like it's okay. Devin's yeah. just so anyway. not that guy. He's good though. Like, he's um, not that good. Like weird I mean, matchmaking for Oak. Do you have Do you have anything to say about the Jared Hurd fight? Or I guess Devin Haney. Absolutely not. Up, but I was I saying um, abs. I only, I, only have, I only have one thing to say. Really, um, Luis Arias lost to Luke Keeler, so I can't really pick him. <laughs> Oh, but he, again, he didn't get blown out though, and I just I think there are a huge amount of question marks with Wait Jared Hurd right second. now. I don't think we're all remembering that fight correctly. Which I one? did not watch that fight. Let's the be clear. Arias I did not watch Luis Arias Luke versus Luke Keeler fight. I think he got beat cleanly by Keeler. It was quite a long time ago actually now. But just the fact that he's getting passed around basically the domestic circuit here means that <laughs> my faith in him is limited. And I think I remember him getting a gift draw against Gabe Rosado too. Yeah, I see that against Luke Keeler, it is listed on Broxrec as a referee score of 91 to 96, where my brain can't even process what those numbers mean. Um, but I, I don't know. Three point deductions. It, really? Two knockdowns, and then he uh, decided that he would punch whenever he wanted, including when the ref told him not to. Well, okay, I guess that's how you get a 91. I've l definitely never seen a 91-96 score before. But anyway, anyway, that's as much. Can I I'll just go through the other ones very quickly? Yeah. I feel like you guys don't care that much about the undercard. Um, yeah, Badu Jack, I mean, I, I like Badu Jack. Honestly, I'm fine with him being in with kind of like uh, an unknown, undefeated guy just because I feel like Badu Jack is just in a hard fight every 
every time out. And Gee, uh, I think why? he can he can make fights entertaining. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, not all of his opponents have taken, you know, He's four different good. PEDs. <laughs> but, oh, come on. No, no, but, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what he does. I mean, when, when, when Badu Jack can really, like, get an advantage over a guy, it can be an inc- incredibly I- impressive, uh, fun thing to watch. Like, when he, he beat Nathan cleverly. I mean, that was, like, you know, a long time ago now, but... You know, so I, I think I think that'll be entertaining, even if it's even if he is overmatched his opponent. And I'm definitely looking forward to all the Mayweather promotions uh, prospects. There are a few guys uh, turning pro, and specifically Jaleel Hackett is like a super hyped um, guy who's turning pro. If if you guys don't know who he is, he's 18, super like well spoken. If you see interviews with him, it seems like he he might have a future in you know commentating after he finishes his boxing career but um there's this great video going around what was that isn't he from baltimore yeah yeah so there's a great video going around that um lex sent me i feel like not that many people have seen which is like a very candid interview it was like in the green room after um hank's press conference announcing his uh last fight uh after announcing the mario barrios fight and uh, this is like in the green room. This is like uh, an ES News video. And um, so it's like you, you can tell at this point, it's like the candid period of the conversation. And um, Jalil Hackett's name comes up. And basically, they're talking about how he's like kind of like the I'm trying to think of the right way to describe this. Not not quite the secret weapon, but he's the guy they bring into Tank's camp when they need to give Tank extra work. Um, I mean, he's a welterweight, so it's not like, you know he's tanks weight class and he's beating him up. But the way they were basically describing it is like, if, um, you know, Leonard Ellerby joked, like, don't let him spar with tank. Like you're going to kill my guy. And, uh, both tank and, uh, his trainer, I, I, uh, Calvin, Calvin Ford, right. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, no, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's not how it is. Like, you know, we bring it in when we need to, to give tank, uh, you know, give him that extra bit of, of hard sparring. And, um, you know, tank was like, yeah, yeah. I don't know why you throw me in with that guy. So, uh, needless to say, there, there's a, a lot of anticipation for his pro career. He's only 18. He's a welterweight. He has room to go through some very uh, financially lucrative uh, weight classes. So, definitely looking forward to him. That'll be on the YouTube undercard. And a bunch of other um, fresh Mayweather promotion signings. Um, beyond that, um, you, you talked about the, 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 the Ocho Cinco fight on, I think, the the podcast with greg which is only on the patreon feed so mm-hmm. we could probably cover that a little bit more but uh, one thing i was wondering you didn't really cover is c- can you explain just to like people who only follow boxing like me or maybe to babs who you know international people who don't follow american football like what the signi- so you don't know shit no, but, yeah but just you know to the folks that can you explain to the folks I, that the athlete. significance <laughs> of ocho cinco as an athlete and as like a, you know a celebrity all right so chad Ocho Cinco, formerly Chad Johnson, was at one point in time potentially like the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, he has been, he played for the Bengals for a really long time, which is where he did like most of his damage. This is a guy who was a pro bowler. He, I mean, was just a monster in the NFL for, I don't know, like six or seven years. And uh, I think he, was it? I think he really started to like popularize like dancing and, and, and the celebrations and stuff, and people didn't like that. Um, changed his name to Ocho Cinco, 
he uh, he changed it to even something else at some point, and then I think he had to like run it back or something like that. But um, I think one of the big things about Chad's career is that he was like an early adopter into social media, and has had a really huge social media following for following for a while. Uh, I mostly remember Chad Johnson because I would like draft him and Madden and stuff. So he's always been somebody that I've liked. I mean, I've always liked uh, Chad Johnson, the the player. And so it's kind of weird to see him. You know, I know he's friends with the Charlos and he, and he goes to their house and he's been sparring with them and all this stuff. But it is weird to see this guy who you would imagine has made enough money over the course of his career that now he wants to jump into boxing. He's also done other things. Um, I think at one point in time, he even played soccer. I don't think it was like in a very, very high stakes league. I'm looking at his yeah, Wikipedia big, now. This dude has done a, a bunch of stuff. He's, I, know, I know he's a big soccer fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, there was a, a post Jamal Charlo had did over the weekend about chad trying to make him watch soccer which i would never do i don't care about don't worry. My that, house. That, that's coming i'm gonna come and make you watch a, I, some premier league i play fifa oh, though occasionally my team is um zepig or something like that i don't know zepig leipzig huh it's in germany my team <laughs> yeah leipzig red bull leipzig oh yeah the red bulls yeah we are the red bulls no, Leipzig, Leipzig. They're not. They're not Red Bulls anymore. Um, I have the Red Bulls bad. on my jersey. Yeah, capitalism is bad. Um, just Leipzig. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's my team. I can't. No, I don't know who my players are. And if you were a fan of my team, you know, shout out to you. Thank you so much for being a fan. But um, oh god, like I'm just looking through his Wikipedia. I remember a lot of all these. A lot of details are. Uh, coming out here that I remember and had forgotten and now I see. You can share them with the folks at home. No, I think you should go to his Wikipedia and read it yourself. Yeah, uh, he's quite the character. Yeah. I mean... I guess I'll have to check it out because I don't even know what the implication is. If it's like scandalous stuff or just a stuff which is like not worth mentioning on the podcast. It's probably both. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. Um, I, I, I mean, mean I, have inter- I have a question. Go on, go on. Like, what wide receiver would you like to see uh, Mr. Johnson match up with if he's successful? Wide receiver versus wide receiver? Yes, I'm thinking there's a lot of juicy options, especially from actual active players that I'd like to see. Well, I think active players, if, we, if we're if we really out here trying to like do active versus not active, I think Mike Evans is probably at the top of my list. <sighs> Mike Evans might be a bit too strong for him. If Mike Evans is a beast. Mike Evans is a bit too much. I, I think I'm thinking I'm thinking my boy my boy, you know I'm a Saints fan. I'm thinking can't can't go on Mike. That'd be a good one. Um I was thinking more of like if we're gonna do two retired guys, Chad Johnson versus Megatron. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um Heinz Ward would be a good one. Um, um who else we got? I would That's rather watch running backs fight. <laughs> yeah, get like Mark Ingram or someone against <laughs> okay. against Saquon Barkley. That's too much. Saquon the killing. <laughs> like, I just want the dudes with the thickest thighs possible. Get yeah, get Alvin Kamara against Mark Ingram. I know they're I know they're boys. But and I the really winner gets to start for the Saints. 
<laughs> I mean, I already won that debate, but you know. <laughs> Poor Tom, he's lost. Uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a there's an but what we're saying here, there's a good market for NFL matchups or ex NFL player matchups here. That oh, we you need could get some into. really good ones. Some really, really Just good one. ones. Imagine like a wide receiver versus a safety. Like get Ed Reed involved. I'm all for Ed, it. Ed Reed will kill somebody. <laughs> I I see him hit people, okay? Right. We need no we need to build a card here now. We so we got Mike Evans against Osho Cinco. We need to get Darrell Weavers versus Richard Sherman. Um, oh, that's the main I event think, right there. That that is, that would yeah, be a bloodbath. I don't know if you know about our Saints, but I think nickel, nickel safety, um, CJ Gardner-Johnson, the one that everyone likes to punch on the field. So we need to get him involved. Uh, do we got to get... Do we Do we need Vontez Perfect? <laughs> okay, relax, man. We'll say that for the second card. Versus Indomic and Sue? Uh, we need the rematch. We need the big one, the big rematch between Mason Rudolph and uh, Miles Garrett. Oh, Miles um, Garrett is—he's uh, getting arrested after <laughs> he's being escorted out in handcuffs. Tom, I, you probably saw this. This was uh, the um, the the guy who uh, the the player that that swung his helmet at another player. Oh, I definitely know about that. Yeah, yeah he he just named those two. Oh, yeah, God. the big rematch. Um, Mal- yeah, Garrett versus Rudolph. Who else we got here? Um, get Tyron Matthew versus Tom Brady. They went at it at the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, you got to get two quarterbacks to fight. Well, when you guys are done yucking it up, I have a good redirect, but I'll let you. Uh, don't let me stop the fun. <laughs> no, sorry, just Who's Gino this- Sanchez fighting? <laughs> <laughs> My God. Um, <laughs> I said we need to get what early stage quarterbacks. I'm thinking Josh Allen against. Um, I'm taking Josh Allen. There's no one you could pick that. I'm, t- I'm not taking Josh Allen. Yeah, that's a big boy. Nah, Josh Allen's a bit too much. He's too, he's too big. Um, that dude trucks linebackers. Okay. Yeah, let's get Deshaun Watson if he's come back from whatever issues he's going through. Oh, let's get him okay. again. <laughs> let's get him versus um, Joe Burrow. That'd be a decent one. <laughs> All right. Joe, Joe Jesus don't need to be fighting, okay? You know who Deshaun Watson is, right? Right, Tom? I've heard that name. He's the guy that uh, has uh, many masseuses suing him for uh, his... Um, well, I've, he- I've heard about that, but I don't know about his playing Well, career. that's that's Deshaun Watson. He is... Uh, I, I, I don't know no, any other way to say it. He's, he's I, I got, phenomenal. I, I got, he's really good. I got, yeah, it's a shame what's happened, but you know. Um, I've got someone that Josh Allen can actually fight who give him a good challenge. Taysom Hill. <laughs> Josh Allen, Taysom. This, this talk is... about quarterback. You got talk about quarterbacks. He truck guys. Taysom Hill. But... This is like matching <laughs> Caleb Plant versus Caleb Plant. Like that's the level of humor behind this one uh, for you, Tom, to understand. Dear Lord. <laughs> um. um... <laughs> yeah um tommy you're going to segue oh yeah um sure I, I i'm sorry i don't get any of these references i i mean i hope this is good content for the people listening but um yeah yeah um i think you guys raise an interesting point though which is sort of like what is the sort of the viability of the celebrity boxing in 2021 and 
you know, I, I, I frame this in two very specific ways because like, if you look back at like celebrity boxing from like 20 years ago when there, there were like, there was like a Fox broadcast, which did like a kind of a ridiculous number of viewers, especially for like modern TV standards. Like that was just horrible. Like I watched it uh, live when it happened and that was before I even watched boxing. But I mean, it was like, you know, mostly just completely C-list celebrities like Horshack versus Screech, where I don't even know if modern listeners even know who that who the, that would be. Um, but the really like entertaining fight on that was like Refrigerator Perry against Manuk Bull, which was actually very interesting and sort of this odd sort of early UFC way where it was just two completely different just body shapes fighting each other. Um, but I, I think it, it raises a point here of like, at that time, it kind of stopped because most kind of celebrity boxing and also tough man competitions became a thing for the time being. It was like, if you throw people together who don't know how to fight, the outcome is usually just like bad distance fights where just both guys get tired and they aren't even like good enough to knock each other out. And I think what's interesting here is you have one like the Jake Paul thing is like he's actually fought interesting people. Um, you know, in terms of fighting like um, an NBA player and then like a former UFC fighter. And, you know, now he's he's like being put in with like the most jacked man alive who's, you know, a former like actually really good UFC fighter. So, you know, from your perspective, I'm interested to hear from both of you. I mean, especially having heard like, you know, 20 names that you guys were joking about seeing in these types of fights, like, do you think this is like sustainable at all? And if so, like, what do you think it would take to make like a series of these fights? Like, cause I, I, I'll say, this is the last thing I'll say before I throw it back to you guys. Like, um, if you look at like Ocho Cinco, like, is this going to be his only fight? Or if he gets a knockout, is he going to like, is he in like the Jake Paul suit sweepstakes? If like Tyrone Woodley, whoever wins the fight with Jake Paul, like is the winner of that fight going to fight Mayweather? Like would Mayweather fight Woodley? Like, Oh, that would great. Mayweather eventually fight Ocho Cinco. If he strings together, like a couple of knockouts, like what's the future of this? Cause I mean, we're, we're thinking in terms of Mayweather, like influencers, but what if Mayweather wants to do a few more of these? And what if we start building up pool of kind of like celebrity fighting opponents who are like, huge jacked athletes that are going to make for like really great TV if they fight Mayweather or fight each other. So the thing is, I, I think there's a, a lot of room for this to be around for a really long time. And if we think about it, just the concept in general, celebrity boxing has been around for a very long time. It's kind of went in, went dormant at times, but for the most part, we have seen celebrity boxing be around in some form for a long time and it's always a hit and i think it does a lot of things right a lot of things that boxing can't get right and that is that we have the ability to craft these narratives and put these types of matchups together that captivate not just fans of one thing it's about what can cross over and if you have an, a, an athlete like Josh Allen who brings in not just their local fan base but their worldwide fan fan base as an NFL player and put them in the ring with an NBA player, 
um, you don't just have that guy's team, but now you're bringing in two sports. Then you bring in the fact that boxing fans would be interested in it. Then you have people that come along because this is just a sheer spectacle. This is a freak show. That's kind of what we're dealing with. And so I think the appeal of this will always be there. It will never go away. The question is, can it be packaged properly? Can the money make sense? And can you find the matchup that is going to essentially now what we would call go viral? I think Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather is one of those things. Uh, I don't think, I don't, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley might, but um, I, I think really what it comes down to is can you keep creating the types of matchups that are intriguing people? And can you make sure that you don't deliver a dud because the periods of dormancy, I would assert, come from moments where people tuned in and they did not get what they signed up for. And so there's a fine balance here of like, can we make matchups that people want to see? Can the matchup actually be good? And can this cross a, a bunch of barriers across sports and entertainment? And, and that's really what it is. So I think this can keep going on. I'd love to see Floyd, May like Floyd Mayweather fight a, a former running back. And I say running back because those are mostly the guys that are around his size. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, I, Bab, do you have to, Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I think that this can go on for a long time. It's just got to be packaged properly. Yeah, I think just before, I'm interested to hear if Babs has any opinions on this, but just, just the quick comment is like, that again, as someone who like lived through the last generation of the celebrity boxing bubble, like that is what was the death of it of just these incredibly boring fights where you just had like two guys who were gassed by like the second round. So I, I mean, I think that's definitely the thing which stands out the most is you, they need to have some idea yep. of what they're doing. They can't just go in there and just empty their gas tank in five seconds and then just you know, be gassed for four more rounds or and whatever. The, the crazy assertion is that when you get guys who like maybe don't know what they're doing and boxing isn't what they do, the assertion is that they're going to go in there and knock someone the fuck out. And what people don't understand or what gets missed is that, no, that's actually not how this works. When right. you're in the ring, yeah. you're trying not <laughs> to get knocked out. And there's a, yeah, a if, part to that. And, you know, you, there, it's not likely that you're going to get that when you mash up these dudes. If you have two guys who don't know what they're doing with boxing gloves on, the the default is not someone gets knocked out. The default is no one gets knocked out. And bo the, the thing which is most likely to happen is just they get tired very quickly. Well, there's also a, a level of coordination that you need as a boxer that, you know, a boxing to move in a boxing stance while the pressure is on with another guy standing a few feet away from you. Like that gets, that doesn't get talked about, but that is something that is an art, you know, and it takes years and years and years to be good at that sort of thing. And like, that is something that you don't see when guys who aren't very experienced in boxing, like it, it looks messy because those guys aren't where they're supposed to be in the ring. They're falling all over each other. And then you get clinches and all of that stuff. So <clears throat> that, that's part of it. Anyway, Babs, anything you wanted to say? Yeah. Uh, the, the packaging is really the main issue here. Like, um, in terms of production, start again. Your your connection sort of dipped out. Well, uh, sorry. Yeah, let me try again. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, the packaging is the real issue here. Just how it's managed about um, 
who's producing it, who's going to pump in the, the kind of investment to make this sustainable, whether we want it to be sustainable on top of already packed um, and near saturated professional boxing market as it is. Um, although I see like these event, events as reflective of the strength of the sport and the popular, the popularity of the sport because no one's really calling for celeb events when the sport is in a, in a, in a down state. But at the same time, you don't want it to be over kind of egged and over kind of overpopulated with these celeb um, sideshow events. So um, those are all kind of things to consider. But yeah, um, we can see that. We'll just have to see how it goes. All right. I think we um, could, uh, unless you have any final thoughts, Tom, I think we could leave it there. No, I just want to say on this topic, um, because I, I've been surprised at how pessimistic even again people in our circles seem to have been about this event and i i think just this whole just last 10 minutes of discussion i think is really interesting and really frames how to look at this event for saturday night which is like i think when people hear like celebrity boxing they're thinking about people from like big brother or survivor or something but mm-hmm. be a little bit more creative and just think again it's like what if ocho cinco fought like mcgregor or something you know i don't know maybe that's just a crazy name to throw up but it's like you know i think the thing of focusing this on athletes is that that is the most compelling thing it's like once um you know okay like an askrin was kind of a joke but i mean when you have i'm blanking what was the name of the the guy who fought um jake paul on the first trailer card nate robinson gib um oh, yeah sure. nate robinson when you have Ocho Cinco, when you have like Tyrone Woodley, I mean, guys who just like, you just look at them and your reptilian brain says like, my God, he's going to kill, you know, Mayweather because Mayweather only weighs 100, you know, or whatever. I mean, it's, I, 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 you know, when you have these guys who just look like that and are that athletic, I think it's going to be more compelling and more sustainable than people think. But, it, it, you know, again, I, I think just the key ingredient is like, you need to actually know how to box a little bit. Otherwise, it's just going to be horrendous. And, you know, I think in the Ocho Cinco one will be like a good... Um, that, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, he, he at least outwardly is saying that he takes boxing very seriously and has done this stuff with the Charlo brothers. So um, let's see how that goes. Because, I mean, I'll just say to anyone listening to this who maybe doesn't... Just, just say this yourself. I mean, if you aren't interested in Mayweather versus Logan Paul, would you be interested in Mayweather versus Tyrone Woodley? If he, or, do you say Tyrone or Tyron? Does I don't think any it's of our Tyron, listeners care. Tyron. Tyron. Yeah, I, I mean, if he knocks out Jake Paul, wouldn't you want to see him fight Mayweather? Like, no, I, I, I want to I see mean, him I, fight Deontay Wilder. Agreed. Well, but the point is, you want to see him <laughs> in with a box anyway. Uh, that, that's that's my final kind of hitch on this topic. Look, I'm not saying this is more important or this replaces normal boxing. Yeah, I mean, this is a sideshow thing, you know fine but um i i think boxing fans are sort of underselling or, or sort of not really getting the what they're doing with this i mean this is not logan paul versus KFSI, ksi one or two you know you're starting to see some interesting compelling names be thrown in there and i i think it has some potential um also worth mentioning if you read the chad ochocinco wikipedia page that our man was a professional bull rider. Well, wow, that's pretty exciting. This is a guy that has no fear of being in the ring. 100%. Like, I feel like if you could stare down a bull, 
that is uh, far... Um, I don't know. I feel like that's more dangerous than getting in the ring. Because the bull could kill you with one hit. I don't know. I've never actually been around a bull, but I've seen them on TV and they are very, very big. And I've watched lots of videos that have live link in the corner and uh, of bulls hitting people. And uh, those dudes are not a joke. But this goes <laughs> back to what I said a long time ago. After Floyd fought McGregor, I said, well, clearly the next move is that he should fight Tom Brady. The only way you break that record is you fight Tom Brady. And like, he's kind of <laughs> like going to try to do this. Logan Paul's extremely popular. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we have another star out there. What if he fought John Cena? Yeah, I mean, I would buy that. Sponsored by the sponsored by the Chinese state authority. (laughs) Oh no, they're not sponsoring. Oh Oh, no, actually, yes, they would. They'll be like, uh, John Cena's. This is your public execution. So pathetic by John Cena. I am so. Oh god, dude, he speaks Mandarin. Relax, okay? He's he's a. He's he's all the way in there. Yeah, like the guy's just trying to make a buck. What if The Rock boxed Conor McGregor? Yeah, I mean, again, I know you're joking, but like, I would, yeah, who would want to see what happens? I, I want to know what is the, what is the, what are, who are the two oldest guys that you could get in the ring that are not named Julio Cesar Chavez? Who are the two oldest guys <laughs> that you could get in the ring to fight each other? I want to see that fight. Like, what two 74 year olds are willing to fight and would, are actually celebrities? Oh, I mean, look, now you're just joking again, but I'll, I'll just say, like, Jake Paul turned pro against a FIFA pack puller, right? Well, and okay, now relax. he's fighting Logan Tyron a Woodley. Pokemon pack puller. Oh, but, I mean, but again, it's like, there, there's interesting stuff here that I think is sort of going under the, the radar with a lot of boxing fans. Um like, this, this is not what some of those early events were. Well, because you, know. you have to get yourself out of the mindset of thinking about this in terms of boxing. You have to now, this is just entertainment we're talking about. This oh, is no, like, totally. And, and make no mistake again, I want to make very clear, this is not about, like, replacing boxing or being better than boxing. This Rock, is a separate, just entertain, you know, entertaining sideshow. The Rock versus LeBron main event. That does 50 million buys, probably. And I get yeah. to be on the undercard. <laughs> Again, we joke, but it's like, let's see, let's see how far they can take this. But you know, again, I, I'll just say like, they, people need to know how to actually box, or else it's going to be horrendous. Oh, for sure. How about for sure? How, how about Michael Jordan versus who was Isaiah Thomas? Oh, um, that's good. Oh, who? Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> although, although I feel like and you can't even trust Jordan. He'll just do something silly because he just got that weird competitive streak. Just low blow a dude. What about Jordan thing. versus AI? That could work. Or Jordan, no, this is the one I want to see. Jordan versus Draymond Green. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, what about Ray Lewis? No, versus nothing with Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. You didn't hear Ray, me out. Can't, can't trust Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis versus the guy he killed's family. All of them. I knew wow. you. I knew you were going to do something. something. Handicap match. Wow. Okay. The, I think the podcast has gone on too long. But one last. I mean, it's funny to say this semi-serious question, I guess. But now that um, Nate Robinson has dishonored the entire NBA, uh, who is who is the one NBA player who could come back and actually beat Jake Paul in a fight? Kwame Brown. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's the perfect answer to that question. <laughs> Realistically, Ron Artest, Metal World Peace. That dude trained at Wildcard for a very long time. He has hands. He's a he's a he's a, he's a big fight fan as well. I'd go with him. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal. Well, let's, let's see that fight. I want to see him on uh, one of these Showtime undercards. I, I would Metal. love for Jake Paul to fight another NBA player who who does not play around a Rashid Wallace type of guy. And uh, Jake Paul gets absolutely blasted, and the honor um, of the NBA is restored. And not NBA, but NFL. Just thought about a guy who'd be perfect. I don't know if you remember Angelo Martellus Bennett. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I play for the Bears, play for the Patriots. The guy who's like six time pro bowlers can get knocked out too. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, we got to get Pac Man Jones in the ring. Uh, there's just so there's just endless possibilities. You guys have so many absolute freaks of nature and absolute lunatics who play sport in that country. Vontez <laughs> Burfick you know, versus Rich 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 Incognito. <laughs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that is a name you need to look up, Tom. That's your homework for today. You need to look up who Richie oh, Incognito God. is. And if you think that's got to be a gimmick, it's it's not. Did he Please change get. his name? And if you're wondering, did he play for the Raiders? The answer is yes. What about Nick Bosa against um, God? Nick Bosa nah, Nick ripped Bosa. someone's head off. Like no. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Bosa's a bit too much. Nick Bosa no, will Bosa grab John Pascal Bosa. and rip his head off. Yeah, Bosa versus Baker Mayfield. Get the get the get the trilogy on. <laughs> uh all right well we'll just end it there before we could go on literally all night. So send us in your um fantasy matchups that you want to see. I mean, shoot, you should uh, toss in um, non, non-athletes, non actors, everything. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, I hope no, you guys- seriously, though. But I, I think that would be a fun for, like, uh, one of the mailbags. Have people submit their, their celebrity boxing suggestion oh, with a quick like, that's, elevator. That's pitch. the next one, Tom. They send in the celebrity matchup, and then we assess whether or not that would make a good fight or not. Well, and you could like fit, do a fantasy of like how it would go, or I don't know. And then we should do but a yeah. fantasy draft. We'll have to get get a, we'll have to get Rollins in on this, and everybody else who's like actually familiar with sports would be like, we'll do a fantasy draft of like you get five boxers or no five athletes or actors, entertainers, whatever you want. You get five to draft, and we see who whose team would uh, prevail if in a fight to the death. Or a twelve-round uh, fight. I know that Rollins has probably got Lamar Odom circled and Aaron Carter. Anyway, yeah, I like that. I like that combination. Yeah, I know you did because there's only one of those guys that you recognize there, and it's Aaron Carter. <laughs> uh, I don't even know who that guy is. Um, but thanks for listening, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this. We will be back with that mailbag. Thanks for the idea, Tom. Over on our Patreon feed. Um, This one is, I think, a main podcast, right? Thank you.